Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. So, um, man, this is closing up the book of John, and um, this is just a great day, and I'm excited to get to share with us today. So, it's, it's, it's funny that as we close up, it, it just warms my heart to know that God's hand is moving throughout this world. So many people today will come to the realization that they have hope in Jesus Christ. Can you remember what that felt like for you? Think about it. In a country we have never even seen. Maybe in a village or a tribe or, or, a, or a town or, or, or a banana place where Barb and I were in Costa Rica 20 years ago um, in little villages. And, but, but someone today will come to the realization that Jesus Christ is alive and he came and he rescued them so that they can have eternal life with the Father. That should make us just want to dance around this building. It, it, it is. It, it's, it's to get you so excited when God lets you see his hand move. Because, you know, the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. And, and he can't have us. What he's trying to do is to steal and our, our joy and our testimony. And, our, and, and to keep our lips quiet because we're so focused on trying to just get through another day. But praise God that he loves us so much. So we're going to be in the very last book of John, or the very last chapter, John 21. So you can kind of go there as I set this up. So just as we start, and I'll pray just again in a moment, but before we can kind of get a, a grasp, does anybody recollect how Jesus kind of come to know these men that he calls his disciples? What are some of the very first incidences? Where did he meet them at? Fishing. Fishing. You know, so, so he's walking out and, and, and then he sees these fishermen and, and man, you know, fishermen stink. You know, they do kind of. You know, I was a fisherman and I'm still getting that stuff off of me. It's, it's just when you fish for three or four days, you don't realize you stink. But if you go walking in a restaurant, they want to put you in the corner. It's because fishermen kind of are smelly because of the bait. And I remember when I went lobster in that time, Barbara made me take all my clothes off before out there in Maine before I could even come in the house. And, and she's like, you are not coming in this room smelling like that. Why are you laughing at, girl? You better quit that laughing. But, but, but Jesus met these men fishing. And it says that in Mark 1, 16 through 20. As he was walking along the shore of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they had fished for a living. Jesus called out to them. What did he say? Come, follow me. Come, follow me. Isn't that pretty cool? He walks by some men that he had never met. They had never met him. Hey, come, follow me. That's pretty cool. And, and, and what did they do? They, they followed him. He said, I will show you how to do what? Fish for people fish for men he says come follow me i'll show you how to fish for people and they left their nets and at once followed him a little farther up the shore jesus saw zebedee's sons james and john and in a boat repairing their nets see that's what happens when you fish you end up spending more time tying things on than you do fishing so they they're repairing their nets they probably had a pretty rough night 
And he called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Fishing will frustrate you. And Jesus' timing was perfect. They were repairing their nets. He said, come follow me. I'm going to show you a better way. I'm going to let you learn how to fish for men. So let's pray. Let's have a good time with this message, celebrating what God is doing. Lord God, we pray to you right now, Father, that you and you alone will have your way here today. Holy Spirit, stir our hearts. Wake us up. Let us be so excited that we cannot contain the gift that you have given us through Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for this city, the Tri-County, this state, this nation, this world. We pray for the believers here all the way to the ends of the earth that the saints would stand boldly and share the love that you have poured into them. Father God, let it start with us today. May revival break out in our hearts that will break out in our neighborhoods and in this city. We love you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So fast forward. Hit the fast forward button. Fast forward a few years. And, and what's going on now? There's many. What's, what's happening in this, say, three-year walk with these guys? What have they got to see a lot of? Miracles. They got to see a lot of miracles. They got to see um, people raised from the dead, right? They also got what? They got many teachings, right? Didn't they get, they get, man, a lot of times, every time they messed up, Jesus was telling them a parable. He was kind of giving them encouragement. He, was, he would never give them the, the direct answer, but he was helping them. So they got to see miracles. They got teaching. But then they, they had this time where they got to see their teacher and their miracle worker who was all-powerful and all-knowing, and, and, and they, man, his, this guy is the king. This guy is so powerful. They got to see him get arrested, right? And what was once strong and never could be beaten, it's kind of like watching your daddy get beat up, you know? Like, ain't nobody going to beat my daddy up. And I was like, Dad, gum, daddy. <laughs> I should have helped. <laughs> nobody thinks their daddy can get beat up. And, and these men didn't think Jesus could be arrested, but he was. These men didn't think men could put Jesus on a, on a, on a cross, but they did, you know. Jesus led them. And, and, and these men surely didn't think that Jesus could be killed, but he was. Kind of puts a damper on it, right? But see, that's not the end of the story. That's just the beginning. So Jesus died, and, he, and he's risen again. And this scene in... in in John 21, is going to be the third time that Jesus has made himself aware or seen to these disciples. And there's seven of them. These, these men, kind of like what we do, right? Is they wanted to default back to who they were and what they were before Jesus. I'm going fishing. I'm coming with you. And this is where this scene takes place. Father God, Lord, let these words mess with our heads today. In Christ's name, amen. Later, John 21, 1 through 3. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of, several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from um, Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat. 
but they caught nothing all night. Man, how real this story gets. <laughs> they caught nothing all night. At dawn, they'd been fishing all night, stinky, tired. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. But the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows. Everybody say, fellows. You know, it's funny. Fellows, could you imagine they've been fishing? Fellows, have you caught any fish? <laughs> no, they replied. <laughs> then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did and they couldn't haul the net because there were so many fish in it. Seven and eight. And says, then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he'd been stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The other stayed with the boat and pulled the pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were about 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples and since he had been raised from the dead. So after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus told him, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Then feed my sheep. Man, that's that, we hear that so many times. If you've been in church a while, you've heard that. But there's a really, this is kind of cool, you know, as I was studying this. So in the Greek text, Jesus uses the word agape. And Peter responds with the word philio. So, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me enough to die self-sacrificing, not looking for anything in return? That's agape-type love, right? Do you love me so that it'll be all about my, my kingdom, my business, and without you getting anything in return? Do you love me so much that you would do anything? That agape-type love. And the, and the Greek text says that Peter responds with philia. Philadelphia, the brotherly love, right? He responds with brotherly love. Yeah, you're like my brother. I love you. So there was a, there was a disconnect there. And, and that's where the, the beauty of understanding some of the ancient text and how it was written, that God, Jesus said, you've got to love me like agape. You've got to be willing to give it all. You've got to be willing to lay down your life. Brotherly love, but just because I'm your friend, just because we've walked together, just because you got to see me do a few miracles, man, that's not going to get it where, where you're going. You're going to have to give it all over. Jesus says, well, you love me with all of you. Peter says, you're my friend. Isn't that sometimes how we can kind of relate to God? 
God says, I want, I want all of you. I want you to love me with everything you got. I want you to give everything you have to me, not just 10%. I want all of you. And then we say, man, God, you're my friend. You're there for my needs. You'll take care of me when I'm scared. Thank you for being my friend. Jesus wanted so much more. Verses 18 through 19 says, I tell you the truth. So Jesus went on to talk to Peter in this. Now, I have taught this before, and I want to do a backup and amendment, and, and pastors make mistakes. I have taught this message before that, that Jesus is walking with Peter alone in this, but this is actually an open rebuke that Jesus has given him in front of the other disciples. They do end up walking, but these questions were being asked in front of the other disciples. That's important, and that's why I back up and say, y'all have to forgive me. Sometimes I miss. I try not to, but it was important that Jesus was wanting to teach every one of these men how much they had to lose. They had to give it all over. So he was rebuking Peter with love in front of the rest of the people. And he goes on to say this, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said to this to let him know. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, "Follow me." The same thing that he said to him when he met him for the first time. He said again, "Why did he do that?" Why did he just explain to Peter, you're going to die. Hey, you're going to die against your will. They're going to kill you. That's not what we want to hear as Christians, is it? We don't want to hear that as part of the story. We want to hear the, the dandelions and, and, and beautiful gardens and, and all of the things that Jesus has to offer us and, and all of the peace and the things that he can bring. But Jesus was saying, hey, I'm just going to let you know, they're going to kill you. And after he explained that to him, he said, come follow me. Follow me. Die to yourself. That's what he was saying, basically. Jesus knew that he was about to ascend into heaven. He would be there no longer, but the Holy Spirit would be there. We talked about that last week. But he was telling Peter, you have got to die to yourself. We can learn from that because we can ask God to work inside of us so that we can die to our flesh a little every day to live for him a little every day. Die to ourselves. Peter turned around. And saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. Who's that? That's John, right? Yeah, old John. Ain't that what we do, man? When, when we get something that's hard marching orders, we always look around like, well, what about him? What about her? Well, ain't they got to do this? <laughs> that's what Peter was doing. He's like, whoa. <laughs> he, you, he loves you. <laughs> Let him die. He says, so Peter turned around and saw him behind the disciple Jesus loved. The one who had leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? <laughs> That's some good teaching. That's worth a hmm. As for you, follow me. 
So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Again, Jesus said, follow me. Don't look to the right or to the left. When God calls you to do something, do it. Don't wait on the person beside you to do it. Don't wait on your pastor to do it. If, if God has put it on your heart to do something, to bring the... If Jesus put something on your heart, the Holy Spirit put something on your heart to bring the Father glory, just do it. But that's the difficult part because we, we say, well, I'll go if they'll go or I'll hang out. You, know, you got to go first. It's scary, right? I get it. It's scary. It's scary sometimes to... To go out and to do something to bring God glory that's never been done before. Why did things get invented? Somebody had to be the first. What happens if, what if somebody in this room, what if one of you young people got to be the next Billy Graham? I was sitting down with Billy Graham's pastor Tuesday. Two hours, me and seven other pastors. I listened to that man for two hours. And what I got from it, that pastor said, I'm just like y'all. I'm no greater. We're all on equal ground. And he was the man that was holding Billy Graham's hand right before his death. But what if? What if we stop waiting on someone else to lead the way that's a man or a woman and let God lead the way on where we need to go? What if every church in this community wanted to house the homeless? What if every person around wanted to pray and ask God to make sure that there were no more orphans? It's hard work. We've got people who have adopted children in this room. It's not easy. But Jesus never said it would be easy. He basically told Peter, you're going to die. And you're not going to want to die, but you're going to die anyhow. Follow me. Wow, isn't that great news? <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> it's my birthday. <laughs> it's my birthday. Hey, but, 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 but it's, it's teaching. It's teaching out of God's word. It's, it's what we have to hear and understand. And we, and, and we can't do it on our own. You cannot do this in your flesh. You are physically unable to do what God called you to do. It takes the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It takes God's hand to take you to places that he called you to go to. And when he says follow him, we just have to let go and trust him. These men met Jesus while fishing. Man, this is where it really started messing with me. Y'all know how many times as a pastor I've tried to go back and fish for a living? Not really for a living. I, I rebought my boat. I said, Barbara, I got a chance to buy my old guide boat. Can I buy it? I think God says it's okay. <laughs> I'm going to use it for ministry, Barbara. I took little Johnny and a few other kids down on Watery, got them out in the middle of um, Taylor's Creek, put some life jackets on them, 
threw them overboard. Current was going, Johnny was floating away, and the motor wouldn't crank up on the boat. Johnny was scared. I was trying to paddle a 4,000-pound boat with a six-foot paddle. And I'm like, I think I missed it, God. Johnny's leaving me. His mama's going to kill me. Funny how we're always trying to compromise God's calling for our lives. Y'all know how much I love to fish. I got friends that call me and they're like, Paul, we just won another fishing tournament. I'd get mad before I wouldn't even take their calls anymore. Man, I was at this church every night this week. I was cleaning up throw up the other night. Not any praise to me, but because God said, I'm choosing you. You got to follow me. I left the Clemson game yesterday to come here. God said, follow me. It's not about you. It's not about your desires. It's not about what you want. It's all about me. It's all about bringing me glory. But boy, if it ain't hard sometimes. See, these men met Jesus while they were fishing. And in their time of uncertainty, they went back to what they knew. They went back to where their identity was. They went back to what they were good at. The history don't teach us that. Every time I read about them, they're fixing nets and ain't got no fish. But they had to be decent at it. They were making a living at it. They were feeding their families at it. But, but sometimes when we don't understand what God is doing, we'll say, I'll just compromise and I want to be comfortable. I'll just compromise and I know I can do that good. I'll just compromise. Boy, this sure is fun. Jesus said, when did I tell you in my scriptures that it was going to be fun? Coffee ain't hot enough. Chairs ain't soft enough. The building ain't warm enough. Jesus said, it ain't going to be fun. You're going to die. Your flesh will die. To live a radical life for Jesus is to die to ourselves. But we get eternity in heaven. We get eternity with the Father. We get, we get lakes that are full of big old giant trout that even Wayne talks about that nobody else has seen. Them trout that's in Colorado. God sends his people down to get the streams of Colorado trout and bring them up there. Like we got these South Carolina trout. Look, look at my trout. He's about nine inches long. He, he, wouldn't feed, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't make an Oscar Mayer wiener. I'm talking about that Wayne's got the trout up in Colorado. They're like, that's a trout. God uses those trout in heaven. That's where we're going to be. And there's going to be no more tears. But follow me. I got this. I got this. Follow me. See, because we default back to what we were before Jesus because that's what we got confidence in. Good ball players, good artists. Whatever, I don't know what it is that you're good at, but I guarantee you were good at something because God gifted you because he has a purpose for you, and he wants to use that gifting for his goodwill and his glory, not yours. So, what did Jesus tell them he would teach them if they would follow him? What did he say? Y'all, y'all, we've read it. What did Jesus say he would teach them to do? Wayne said it. Follow me. And I will teach you to be fishers of men. That 
is hard to do. So many of my friends, old Jim White, like, church is easy till you put people in it. <laughs> Miss Sabrina, beautiful spirit, last night tells Khaki, I think I'd like to come to y'all's church. She didn't have many words to speak to us. She didn't know us. We didn't know her. But how wonderful it is that she's seen so much love in so many of y'all this past week. Another lady said, I felt loved by the people that was coming down to serve me and my daughters. That's how you be fishers of men and women. You've got to love them, even when you don't understand. You've got to be able to, to put your desires and your wants to the side to make sure that you're going to have to hang out with people in life groups that don't look and act like you. If I go looking for just a certain kind of catfish that looks like me, well, maybe a lot of catfish do look like me, <laughs> short and fat. But I'm telling you right now, when we don't get to choose what gets on our line. We just get to choose whether we're going to throw our line in the water. Does that make sense to us, church? We have to cast out our reels. We have to cast our nets. These men were in that boat fishing all night without Jesus. Jesus standing a hundred yards from them. Throw out the other side and you'll catch some. We have to listen to his voice. We have to be prompted to move when he speaks. And he will do the catching. And we will get to enjoy what he's doing. But only when we're obedient. So back to our friend Peter that was getting this public rebuke. See, Jesus was not content. Jesus was not content with letting Peter default back to who he was before Jesus. Jesus is not content with letting you default back to who you were before him. Jesus is not content with letting me go back to who I was. Is there anything wrong with fishing? Absolutely not. But he knows my heart. He knew that boat wasn't for his glory. That's why he let Johnny float away. Johnny's scared to death. I don't know if Johnny's, I don't know if Johnny's in a boat since then. It's been seven, six, seven years ago. But Jesus knew my heart. There's nothing wrong with the things that you love to do. There's nothing wrong with your profession. But when your profession becomes greater than your calling, it's an idol. And there is something wrong with idols. If the Dream Center becomes greater than my father. There's this problem with that. If your singing up here and worshiping becomes greater than the father, there's a problem with that. If my preaching is a thing where I want people to look at me and I can't do it because I'm so worried about what people think about me, there's a problem with that. You get where I'm going? Jesus did not want Peter to go back to who he was. He wanted Peter to glorify his father. He said, this is how you will glorify my father. You will be led to where you do not want to go, dressed by people you do not want to dress you, and you will die. Come follow me. 
See, Jesus is not content with letting you stay or go back to that person. He wants to see more for you. He wants to see more for me. So here's what I learned from this message this week. Paul, please don't get so upset when God gives you an open rebuke. That's me. I don't know how it's speaking to you. But the challenge in this message for me is, Paul, stop arguing and making excuses every time the Spirit of God gives you an open rebuke. Because he loves you. And his word says that if he does not discipline you, you're illegitimate. That means that you don't belong to him. So there's times when God is going to get on us. And sometimes it's going to be in front of other people. It's okay. It was okay that Jesus was rebuking Peter in front of his friend. He was using this as a lesson to everyone. Okay. And just to close, there's just two things the reason he does this. Jesus rebukes us because he loves us. Jesus loves you. I don't know if you know that today. Jesus loves you. It's not about works. It's not about works. You don't have to go out and tell people about Jesus all day today to get Jesus to love you. But when you start receiving the love of Jesus that, has, that he has for you, you won't be able to contain it. It starts flowing out of you like a fountain. I think you said that the other day, Andrew. It's like, hey, he was talking to Barbara and I over the phone on the truck. He's like, just sit under that waterfall. Let your cup be full so that whatever flows out of it will flow into others. That's what Jesus wants for us. He loves you. And he wants to pour everything he has into you. And secondly, he wants that that's coming out of you to go out and to let you become fishers of men and women so that more people come to know him, so that the kingdom gets full and that the Father gets glorified. Amen? Isn't that cool? And this is, this is what I got to see this week in this church. I don't think there's a person sitting in these chairs right now that I haven't seen put some hands to the plow and just take their eyes off of themselves. I'm so stinking proud of this little old church. Unbelievably. Can't sleep at night. Sometimes I can't sleep at night because I'm wrestling over something that I don't know if I should be wrestling over. But this week I've just been hard to contain because I'm so excited about this body. Everybody in here has said something to me or done something that has has brought the Father glory. And I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. Well, that's pretty cool. Well, that's pretty cool. Thank y'all for just loving God so much. Y'all are setting an example for the saints. Y'all are setting an example for Charlie who says, hey, can we feed a thousand people out of our bingo hall? Oh, yeah, I guess so. But it's because of what y'all do. You set an example when Tyler and them are putting together Celebrate Recovery that's going to be housed in the Wesleyan Church. That it's not about our church, it's about God's kingdom. You're setting an example when you carry two racquetball rackets and people that we want to continue to play competitively, but Richard always says, no, nah, we got to teach this new person how to play because he knows he's not have that opportunity to share the love of Jesus with them. 
You know that's why this young man led us in worship today because of a racquetball racket? <laughs> you can't make that kind of stuff up. It's a game. But we let God be the lead. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your love and your grace. We just thank you that your word would just not come back void, Lord, that we would be transformed from the inside out. Father God, um, Lord, how wonderful you are. In Christ's name we pray, amen.